This podcast is brought to you by CreatorRank.com, our brand new fantasy football website where you, the fan, can create your own set of customized player rankings. We have a great team putting out content every day in the form of articles, videos, podcasts, and more. We also offer a 20-minute one-on-one chat with our site experts completely free for 2019. For more, follow us on Twitter at CreatorRank and check us out on Facebook and YouTube. Welcome, welcome to the Create a Dynasty Podcast. Tonight, the dynasty is born, baby. Where chasing championships never ends. This fantasy football podcast is brought to you by CreatorRank.com. Follow us on Twitter at CreatorRank. And find us on Facebook and YouTube. The road to glory begins now. As we discuss draft strategy, trade advice, and player evaluation to help you create a dynasty. Yes, it's a dynasty. What is up to the Dynasty faithful? You guys are listening to the Create a Dynasty podcast from, of course, the Creator Rank team. Welcome, everybody, to the show. Nate, and I would like to make a special announcement. Last week, we, or last show, I should say, we said this guy was a guest, but now, officially, he is a part of the show. Luke, welcome. What up? Welcome to be there. Happy to be here. What's up, fellas? So today we're going to be doing a little bit of a different show. We're taking a break from the division breakdowns. We're going to do a plant your flag episode. We're going to try to pick apart people that we believe. Well, basically, it's it's a you're wrong episode, really, right? Everybody believes Connors. they're high. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, we'll look at guys that we think, uh, looking right now at 2019 ADP, again, off a fantasy football calculator, where they're being drafted at. And we're going to pick a couple of guys. Each of us will pick a player at the quarterback, running back, wide receiver, and tight end position that we think will finish at least a round higher next year at this point in time in 2020 Dynasty Startup ADP. And then we'll take a look at a guy that we think you should be weary of drafting uh, so somebody that could fall a full round or more next year at this time. And then we're going to wrap it up with some hot takes. And so by hot takes, we're not your typical, uh, just say some outlandish things for some clicks. We're going to give you guys takes that we think could realistically happen. They might be a little bit far fetched, but, uh, you know, we're not, we're not going to say something like the San Francisco 49ers can win the Super Bowl. that, I mean, that's so outlandish, but like, Something more realistic, like uh, Kenyon Drake has the ability to be a running back one for 2019. So something that we can see happening, not necessarily something that uh, you'd have to play on rookie mode in Madden to accomplish. <laughs> Love that. <sighs> I like how you try to say that note so nonchalantly. Uh, like what's I, wrong? So for one, yes. At least put the Lions in there. We know the 49ers uh, win the Super Bowl. We know, <laughs> we know the Lions will not win the Super Bowl. Let, let's not just put the 49ers in there. And, and while we're at it, while we're at it, Luke is a Bronco fan. 
We know Broncos aren't going to win the the Super Bowl. Sorry, Luke, you're part of the show now. You're you're. <laughs> Joe Flacco's done it once before. He can do it again. He's about to be prime. Elite. He's in his prime, according to John Elway. According, according. Yeah. Well, all fellas, right. we're all in it together. <laughs> so I guess I'll start this, right? Yeah, go for it, man. All right. So for me. The guys I am planting my flag on. And it's kind of funny that I say this because I believe on, on a last show, I, we talked about how I traded this guy away for a 2020 first round pick. But it's all on team construction, and I'm still happy with it. But I think he will be higher next year. Dwayne Haskins, being drafted right now as a quarterback 22. He was elite in college. And once he plays this year, I think he's going to show flashes that he can do that in the NFL. So he's someone that I'm going to be looking for. As the quarterback 22, I mean, I, I, he's not going to run. So there, there is that issue. He's not a running quarterback. But he can throw and he can throw touchdowns and he is good in the pocket. And then not only that, he has good pieces that can they can grow with him, like a McLaren. He's going to be, I believe, whether you guys want to believe it or not, and maybe he should be my wide receiver, my wide receiver, my my guy. But you know, you can only have so many. But Terry McLaren is going to be his touchdown guy. Josh Jacobs, Josh Jacobs, as my running back. He's right now as a running back twenty-five. I believe. And I hate to say this. I really do. I believe that the Raiders are going to be better than people expect them to be. They have a good offensive line. They have a great wide receiver. They have a great running back and Josh Jacobs. He's being drafted lower just because people believe that the Raiders are going to be no good. I think they're going to be better than people believe. He's going to be drafted higher. He's going to be drafted in the top 12 next year. Wow. And hold on, guys. Let me take off my Homer hat. (laughs) (laughs) Let me take off my Homer hat. 49ers have been injured. Seems like for the past few years. They haven't really had solid wide receivers. When we signed Godwin, Goodwin, Goodwin. When we we signed Goodwin, and then we signed, who was that other guy from Washington that we signed? From Washington. Come um, on. You guys know his name. The, from Washington Redskins? Yeah. I'm oh, only okay. saying that because Garcon. Yeah, I couldn't remember uh, his name right now. <laughs> I could not remember his name right now. But we knew these weren't guys, the guys of the future. But we have the guys of the future. So as long as we stay healthy, you're going to see that Dante Pettis and Debo Samuels are going to be drafted higher than a wide receiver 34 and a wide receiver, 67. Dante Pettis is going higher than Debo Samuels, of course. You're going, to be, you're, going to, you're going to see that these guys are going to be drafted higher. They're going to be worth more. I'm not saying Dante Pettis is going to be a one or Debo Samuels is going to be a one, but it's going to be a two high three. Another guy that I like, and I think, Nate, you would agree. Mark Andrews is going to be drafted higher than a tight end 23 next year. Love it. Yep. And I think that's the one I really don't have to defend. Go ahead. 
Uh, I mean, so I would expect Haskins to see a bump because he's going to be a, a bona fide quarterback one next year. Um, not having to deal with the rookie stuff. And like you said, growing with his, his talent around him. Josh Jacobs, man, I keep going back and forth whether the Raiders are going to be good or whether they're going to be bad. And I, I think they might end up somewhere in between. Uh, on Antonio Brown, Tyrell Williams, Derek Carr, I mean, before he got hurt, was playing – he had an MVP caliber season, so he can do it. And Josh Jacobs might – A la Carson Wentz? Yeah, kind of, yeah, almost. Um, the wide receiver core for the Niners, man, I'm a big Debo Samuel fan. He does everything. So him finished higher wide receiver 67, I think that's easy. And I honestly have Mark Andrews as a top 10 dynasty tight end. So, yeah, I agree. Yeah, the only one that I have a major problem with um, is Jacobs in that. I just am not buying Jacobs at all. Um, there's a chance he he comes in and he uh, he's the guy, and they say that they're going to ride him, but he's never proven it at any level that he can be a workhorse. Um, and I think there's something to that. And even if you just look at the Raiders' schedule, whether they're, I mean, somewhat good, uh, terrible or in between they've got a tough schedule I know as a Broncos fan I'm dreading our schedule this year and uh, the Raiders have practically this play the Chiefs and the Chargers uh, twice and trying to keep up with those offenses is going to lend to I think a lot more uh, pass oriented scripts uh, they also have to play the Packers uh, the Colts the Vikings the Raider or the uh, the Bears uh, the Texans all are pretty high-powered offenses so um, they either got high-powered offenses or tough defenses they're playing all year long I don't think that's going to play well to uh, Jacobs getting as much of a workload as he's hoping for um, so I I'm not in on Jacobs I don't think that he's going to be nearly the workhorse people expect um, and even well, when he does get the workload I don't think that he's he's ever proven that he can uh he can handle it. So that's a scary thing and going from college where he's never done it to try to do it in the NFL. So let me, let me, obviously Josh Jacobs is the only one I have to defend. Um, Damien Williams. He's never proven it, but he has a job, right? Right. Yeah. And can we say he, with what Andy Reid said recently, He's it's his job, and he and can we say that he has a good shot of being a running back one? Yeah, yeah, okay. So he has never done it before, but he has the opportunity to do it. Same thing with Josh Jacobs, never done it before, but he has the opportunity. Who else do the do the Raiders have? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a fair point. I think the difference obviously is the the, the offense. offense. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that, but I just I mean, even even the fact that Damian Williams has proven it in the NFL, that he's at the very least, yeah, he hasn't gotten the touches, but he has gotten 20-plus touch games and proven that he can do it against NFL defenses. He just hasn't proven it that he can do it all year long. Right. Yeah. That's, and, that's, and that's more my point, is he hasn't yep. proven it, that he can do it all year long, Josh Jacobs. And you're right. To an extent, yeah. Williams has done it with games. Even with Miami, he's done it with games. Yeah, but never. I, and you're talking to the guy that does not like Damien Williams. So, <laughs> oh, I don't either. The only reason, like for example, for this year, the only reason why I bumped him up was because I believe Andy Reid when he talks and he said he's the guy. That's the only reason. Other than that, yeah. I don't believe in Damien Williams. Yeah, but Josh Jacobs, I think they're going to be better than people think. 
and he's going to have the opportunity. And I'm not saying, I'm saying maybe this is for later, maybe that he's going to be drafted in the top 12, but for sure he's going to be drafted in the top 15. Yeah. So for my quarterback, um, I think quarterback, obviously there's only a handful to choose from that are, um, it's just obviously a very shallow position in general. So I went with Kyler Murray. Uh, he certainly could be a bust. I'll say that up front. Um, but all signs right now are pointing to the fact that he's not and that he is uh, going to succeed. He checks a whole lot of boxes. Um, the number one overall pick in the NFL draft lands in a kind of of difficult situation with an offensive line that's bang, been banged up and uh, not been great and part of the reason that Rosen was so bad last year but they did add a lot of offensive weapons through the draft uh, Larry Fitzgerald's coming back they got Christian Kirk who I really like this year and obviously they have David Johnson and uh, I don't think that offense could get any worse from last year as far as the uh, play calling and it's going to be entirely different and Sounds like a whole lot of wider or four wide receiver sets even. So um, I think Murray at the very least has the uh, probably the most upside among quarterbacks in the NFL this year in fantasy. I think he could uh, kind of be the next in that line of Deshaun Watson's that has the rushing uh, and the passing ability. So uh, absolutely he could uh, be outside the top 20 quarterbacks next year and uh, Injuries obviously concern if he's scrambling for his life all the time, but outside of uh, a whole lot of the guys in the top 12, Kyler Murray, quarterback 14, he's got top one or two upside uh, more than almost anyone else. For my running back, uh, I won't get too far into it because I'll plug my uh, article from a month or so ago for Rashad Penny. Uh, he's still being drafted at running back 24. And I think he's got uh, – his range of outcomes is something I often look at. His range of outcomes is easily a top 10 running back. Um, if anything were to happen to Chris Carson, Penny, I think, automatically becomes a top 10, if not top five running back uh, while he's the number one. And even while Carson's there, Penny's, Penny could uh, – at the very least, it'll be a timeshare, if not uh, start kind of taking over that running back one uh, responsibilities I just think he's a much more uh, talented player and then for wide receiver I won't spend too much time on it as well because um, I'll probably touch on him a little bit later but uh, Tyler Boyd wide receiver 30 the dude is a, a monster he finished in the top uh, I don't have it in front of me I think 16 or 17 wide receivers last year despite a whole lot of injuries across that team so uh, I'm I'm really big on Tyler Boyd, I think he's the most undervalued player in fantasy right now. And then Noah Fant, uh, I, I probably would have gone Mark Anders here for tight end. I, I very much agree with Lou on that. I think Noah Fant at tight end 14, though, his range of outcomes is that he kind of takes a step uh, either this year or next, but I think it could easily be this year on an offense that really uh, – lacks pass catchers and I think Fant is uh, a game breaker like if they don't have on that team right now so uh, Fant easily could be Flacco's go-to guy and uh, if that's the case he's in the top uh, six or so tight ends next year kind of in that Evan Ingram OJ Howard range so what did I uh, what did I do wrong here guys what what are you gonna hit me with 
No, I think the Tyler Boyd take, and hopefully I'm not stealing your hot take later, but I have a Tyler Boyd hot take to talk about. Uh, but Rashad Penny, so I recently became a member of the Rashad Penny fan club, um, and I'm still trying to hammer out a time for the, the weekly meetings. But is he <laughs> going to be a, a receiving threat for Seattle? Let's say Chris Carson goes down. Does he offer that upside of a – you know, a top five, top 10 guy that we see that, that has 50 catches a year. Is he able to do that? I think he does. I, I, I think he's a capable pass catcher. I don't think he's, uh, I don't think he's maybe super above average at it, but I think he's capable. And I think even if he doesn't have that, um, I don't have all the stats in front of me right now. You could actually, uh, I'll plug it. The vault podcast. I talked a little bit about Penny there. Um, and you can also go read my article on um, our website at creatorrank.com. But Penny, if if Carson goes down and Penny's getting 20 to 30 touches a game just in handoffs alone, which uh, on an offense that has been a top five rushing offense pretty much every year that Pete Carroll's been there, um, it, it puts him in that top five conversation, even if he's not catching more than a couple passes a game. Yeah, that's fair. I think um, – so I, I'm i not the biggest fan of Evan Ingram. So, therefore, I'm not the biggest fan of Noah Fant. Great pass catchers. I agree. But, I mean, when it comes down to it and being on the field, and, Nate, we've discussed this, you stay on the field if you can block, especially as a tight end. Yep. He can't block. As soon as there's been film, I saw as soon as he gets hit, he goes down. So for me, to me to say he's going to be higher, I have to see if because I mean let, let's face it in in NFL you get a hit a lot harder than in college. And if he was already showing that he gets hit in college and gets knocked down, it's going to happen in the NFL. Yeah, I I don't doubt that at all, and I think that. Uh... As much as I will uh, knock my Broncos for their drafting in the past, no offense, probably the first draft pick I've been excited for in years. And they know what they're getting in him. They know that he's not going to be a big block, big time blocker. Um, if you look at uh, who the Broncos brought over, I'm blanking on the offensive coordinator's right, name right now, but he actually came over from San Francisco where he, uh, he worked with George Kittle. And if you go on to player profiler right now, no offense, uh, match is George Kittle. No, and <laughs> no, <laughs> and in fact, if you look at the details on it, as far as the statistics go, Noah Fant outchecks George Kittle on every single one of them from just a pure athletic standpoint. Sure. So, yeah, I, I don't, I don't deny his athleticism. That, yeah. that I won't argue with you because he showed he was athletic. I mean, you saw it at the yeah. combine. He he opened eyes at the combine with his athleticism. Yeah, um, yeah. He, like, I think he broke. The, I mean, he like he was breaking records for yeah, tight ends. Yeah, it's just like for me, it's the only thing that I I will say he doesn't outdo Kittle on is blocking. Yep. And after yards, you know. Yep. And um, I think I think like you said, I mean, I think it's kind of I think Evan Ingram's the the easiest comparison to Fant um, and probably will line up kind of in that slot role a good amount too. So yeah, if they find a way to use him the way he should be used, then yeah, he, he would definitely be up there. But I, 
to me, no offense has is the one that has to prove it. I would say Hawkinson has a better shot of being up there and moving up more than Noah Fant right now. Yeah. Yeah. So the offensive coordinator for Denver, it's Rich. I'm probably going to butcher this. Scangarello. Yep. Scangarello. Yep. You're right. You talk Uh, about Fant's athleticism, man. I actually wrote an article for a different website. Um, But he ran a 4540, 39.5 inch for 127 inch broad, a 681 in the three cone, and a 422 shuttle. So that would have been the 19th overall 40-yard dash, 6th vertical jump, tied for 7th in the broad, 4th in the 3-cone, and tied for 12th in the 20-yard shuttle at wide receiver. And the dude's 6'4", 250. Yeah. Yeah, no, he's a freak. Just absolutely freaky um, athleticism. So I definitely think he has the ability. I mean, uh, he may not get all of the snaps on the field like we talk about. I hate going back to TJ Hawkinson, but Hawkinson is going to be on the field because he can do it all whereas Fanth is going to be a very targeted player where his reps are going to be for him. He's not going to be out there lead blocking for zone. He's going to be lining up to catch a pass type thing. So his volume should, I think, should push his ceiling up a little bit. Yeah, I think that's fair. The last last thing I would say on Fant too is even if I'm wrong at where if he doesn't make that leap this year, I'd be surprised if his value goes down too much. And yeah. He he came out of college almost two years younger than George Kittle did. Yep. No, yeah, I no. So. I was gonna say I can definitely see that. That I, if anything, I would agree on your point that I don't see him going down. Definitely. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Worst case, he stays where he is because he has the athletic profile to to go. So. All right, Nate. All right, so my guys, uh, Carson Wentz currently being drafted as a quarterback eight. We talked about it in the NFC East show. You guys want to give that a listen. There's a bunch of weapons around them. They're very talented. It's a high-flying offense with a smart offensive coordinator. Carson Wentz has been an MVP candidate before uh, injuries. That's my only concern with him is getting healthy, but I'm not, I'm not actually concerned about his health. I think it's something that just happened. I don't think it's an injury-prone type thing. As far as running back, uh, give me David Montgomery being drafted as a running back 28 right now. He was my – Favorite running back from the 2019 class from a from a rounded prospect perspective. He's able to catch the ball, run the ball. He has the production that Josh Jacobs lacks, uh, quite frankly. David Montgomery is over 1,100 yards twice in his uh, in his college career. I like him in that offense, being able to get with Matt Nagy and being used as a weapon as a receiver as well. For wide receiver, give me Christian Kirk, uh, currently being drafted as a wide receiver 31. In that air raid offense, I know um, – Luke, you talked about Kyler Murray. They, they run a lot of 10 personnel, so that's one running back and no tight ends. So, like you're saying, four wide receivers out there at a time. If anything, Christian Kirk should see a volume increase, which would drive a value increase. So uh, having him get a bunch of more targets, uh, Larry Fitzgerald's going to step away at some point. Who knows? It could be this year. It could be eight years from now. I don't know. The man's a legend. But – I would expect some sort of volume bump for him from a, from a number of plays run and pass attempts. So I would see his value going up. And then for tight end, uh, I love Mark Andrews, uh, but I, I drafted him um, in our redraft league that Lou and I are in. So I didn't want to steal him twice from Lou. So I'm going to go with Mike Jacecki. Uh I have him as a tight end. I'm sorry. His ADP is tight end 16 right now. He is again, like Noah Fant, an athletic freak. He's huge, can play football, can go catch the ball, can run well. 
and he's in the second year in that system. And yes, it's a little cliche to say the New England coaches that came over, Brian Flores and Chad O'Shea from the New England Patriots. It's kind of cliche to say that they're going to use a tight end, but I mean, quite frankly, they saw how that worked out with Rob Gronkowski and Aaron Hernandez and anybody else who lined up. I mean, Scott Chandler was really good for a while for the New England Patriots. So utilizing a tight end, I think will be important to their scheme. And I think Mike Jacecki has the athletic profile and now in his second year, the ability to make that leap. Where did I uh, screw that up? I'm all in on all of those. I have no problem with any of them. Check. So I have a problem. When we did, when we started, you know, drafting this episode, I came out with two guys and we have a bold takes segment coming up, right? Yep. End of the show. Okay. So as if you guys remember, I said, I want the wide receiver core. And then I want this other guy. Like I said, he'll come up later. And then I stopped because I got a, I had a really busy day and I forgot about it. Nate, you had to um, text me a few hours before the show saying, Hey, where's your guys? So I went, I said, okay, I want this guy. Oh, Nate took him. I want this guy. Oh, Nate took him. (laughs) (laughs) So my argument is against me that I basically picked everybody else last. (laughs) (laughs) Not that you had bad picks. I mean, you know, it's just, it is what it is. And I think. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's, there's in everything, there's going to be multiple people that you like, but. You just happen to take people that I cannot argue against because, and actually to, to your credit, and I hate, cause I really wanted a debate, uh, but to your you credit, yeah. to your credit, when I saw, when I saw Mike, I said, dang, I do like him. I forgot about him <laughs> because people are forgetting about him. I mean, he was, he was again, the freak of last year. Yep. The athletic was, freak. Yeah. He was the Noah fan of last year with a little less draft capital. He was the freaky tight end who blew up the combine and everybody was very high on. And then he laid an egg last year. He was not very good. Yeah, exactly. So the only thing is, is that I think Gusecki will maybe stay about the same depending on when Rosen takes over. Because how often does Fitzpatrick, which he's as of right now, he's winning the job. Does he target his tight ends? I thought there was a significant bump with OJ Howard's production with Fitzpatrick. Sure. So I, you know what? Up. Maybe I don't have to go back and look at that. I'm not. Yeah, maybe, but I just it, historically he doesn't really go after the tight end. Sure, like you look he, at his time and yeah, chest. yeah, he throws for the long ball. But I mean, he, he's the most questionable. But I mean, doesn't mean I don't like him. Yeah, no, I think his upside is there, and I think you see. A six touchdown season for Mike Jacecki, and I think that's enough to boost him in towards that like top twelve tight end. Yeah, so like I said, the argument's against me, not against you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so now let's get into our buyer beware. You want to explain to everybody Nate, exactly what we mean by buyer beware? Yeah, so it's the opposite of the my guy segment. So this is guys that we think that are currently being drafted too high. If for 2019, and if we were to look a year from now, uh, that their ADP would be significantly lower. So uh, he may be being drafted as the quarterback five this year, and it's somebody we think that doesn't deserve that. And they sh- next year we see them being drafted around the quarterback 
12 or 15. So those are the type of players we're trying to analyze here and present to you guys so you can either not draft them or sell them now at their current value to get the most reward out of it. So since I guess we'll just go the same order. Yeah, send it. So the guys I, I really don't care for next year, and really to start off with the quarterback is this year, is I have never really been a big fan of Jared Goff. I think he's going to be – I think he has a good shot of being good for this year because of the fact is really McVay is an awesome, awesome coach. And I hate to say anything good about the Rams. I really do. Because, you know, we compete with them every year. But he is going to be a quarterback one this year, I believe. But like I said, it's because of his core, wide receiver core. He has three great wide receivers, good wide receivers, great coach. But I believe the Patriots showed his weaknesses, and now they have game film of how to stop him. How do they lose a Super Bowl only allowing as many points as the Patriots did? They should have had that. Yep. So for me, I'm not a big fan of Jared Goff. He's being drafted as a quarterback seven. I think he's going to fall off. And like we talked about earlier, Damian Williams, in redraft, he's the hot commodity this year, but that's redraft. In dynasty, he's going to be good this year, but I think next year, Chiefs are going to draft someone and his value will go down even more. And it could be the same as a running back 26, but I think it's going to go down. They're going to draft somebody that that's going to cut into his value. T.Y. Hilton, purely because of age. He's an older wide receiver. But he's in a good offense, so I think next year he will go down, but he's going to be of value. And then we talked already about this guy. I believe it was last episode, Eric Ebron for Indiana as a tight end seven. It's Doyle's offense. Eric Ebron is just touchdown dependent, and I think last year had a lot to do with why he's being drafted as a tight end seven. He's not going to do the same this year. Do you guys agree, or where do you guys see, see me going wrong? So before we give credit to the New England Patriots, I want to point out the Detroit Lions were the first team to stall Jared Goff in week 13. You're right, yes. Um, and the Patriots actually credited – I mean, it was just a boost for the Lions. Anyway, moving on, just their Lions going to the Super Bowl this year. Anyway, I agree with you, man. Damian Williams, I think he's somebody who, if I was a contender, I'd probably be buying. And I – it's kind of one of those, like, you talked about last show, Lou, I can win money this year to pay off five years because I think you'd have to sacrifice the 2021st at this point to get Damian Williams. Yes, yes I agree. I, I don't know if he's worth anything beyond this year. T.Y. Hilton, they added a bunch of youth. Um, it's actually interesting you have a couple of Colts on there, but T.Y. Hilton, I think, could maybe hold his value but decrease a little bit depending on the year he has. But I'm, I'm 100% with you on Eric Ebron, man. I think he's touchdown dependent. Um, and I do not see the volume rising. And we talked about all the other, like all the other tools with T.Y. Hilton, as I don't see him replacing the touchdowns with volume. So I'm I'm with you on, on Eric Ebron. Yeah, exactly. I just it I just don't like Eric Ebron. I mean, he's always had the potential, but I mean, the only time he showed his potential is when he had a ridiculous amount of touchdowns. Yeah, I'm I'm a little bit mad about Eric Ebron, just like you were in the last segment, because 
I, I had Ebron tagged as my tight end that was going to drop, and instead you'll see who I get to. But uh, totally agree about Ebron. I think it's pretty obvious to most people who've been uh, paying attention the last little bit that he's due for regression. But one thing I will say, Hilton, I mean, I think he's probably maybe drops a bit, maybe not as much as you're thinking. Williams, I think that's pretty. that's a pretty common thought right now, and I think it's spot on. I think Goff is – I think he's a fair value right now. I'm actually in a league right now that uh, it's a super flex league, and I, I'm i a super contender as far as my skill positions go. Um, but I'm rolling out Goff as my quarterback one, and I, I feel good about it. I, I'm really not too concerned. Uh, like you said, a lot of it's McVay, and I'm all about buying systems and offenses. So uh, I'm not too concerned about Goff dropping off. No, I – I agree. That's why I said for this year, I actually have him as a quarterback one. So if I had great skill position players, yeah, I would be confident drafting or playing him as my quarterback one. I just, there's something about him that I feel that he's going to drop off next year. He's not going to have the same production as last year, but the difference maker for me is because of cup. I think cup is the biggest. So if anything happens to that core, He's going to fall off. As long as he has that three, that's going to be his savior. Yep. Yeah. The the splits with and without Cup in the lineup are pretty significant. And I think they need a Cup to win that Super Bowl. Yep, 100%. I love Cooper Cup. Yeah, being from uh, Washington State, I've got a lot of mutual friends with Cup. I actually went to school uh, right next to Eastern Washington, about the nice. same time he was playing. So He's a baller. Big fan uh, of Cup. Yeah. All right, ready to uh, get some people real riled up. So let's rile them up. <laughs> All right. Uh, so quarterback that's going down, I, I thought about going with a couple of – I think the easy thing to do in this segment in general, um, I'll just preface it, is, is choosing players that are uh, on the decline, players that are a little bit older, um, you know, whether it be a T.Y. Hilton, whether it be um, – in this case, I was looking at Drew Brees and Tom Brady, uh, players that are just kind of on their decline. It's pretty easy to say that they're they're going to uh, drop off. So instead of taking the easy way out, I uh, I went with Patrick Mahomes as my quarterback that's going to uh, regress and buyer beware. And it's not that I hate Patrick Mahomes, um, but he he's obviously being drafted as the quarterback one, and rightfully so. But I think as far as uh, – where in drafts he's being drafted, I just think it's too high, um, especially in comparison to skill players. And we haven't had repeat quarterback ones uh, back-to-back years. I think it's been a long time. I can't remember exactly what year it was the last time a quarterback did back-to-back quarterback one finishes. Um, Quarterback one overall, that is. But anyway, I, I just don't see uh, Patrick Mahomes obviously having the same historic season he did last year. He's obviously due to regress a little bit, um, have a really, really tough schedule. Uh, in fact, I think it might be the first or second worst schedule against defenses, uh, at least projecting out right now. So I think Mahomes will regress. I don't think he will be quarterback one overall this coming year. Um, so aware on that a little bit I don't think he's going to fall outside of the top 10 quarterbacks per se but I do think he's due for some pretty significant regression um running back this is one I feel 
almost as significantly about as I do uh, Tyler Boyd and Rashad Penny as being my um, kind of big takes this year. I think Sony Michelle is just ridiculously overdrafted and overvalued right now. Uh, he's going as RB15. If you look at who he's being drafted around, uh, you got Fournette, Carry on Johnson, Aaron Jones, Devontae Freeman, Marlon Mack. I want all of those players plus some ahead of Sony Michelle. I think that uh, he had a couple of big games last year that were exciting and fun, and obviously it's the Patriots' offense. Um, but I think he's being drafted more at his ceiling than his floor, which is something I look at pretty often. Uh, I've never trusted Bill Belichick running backs. Uh, that's been something that's been uh, good to me over the years is just avoiding that backfield in general. And now you've got – uh, not only Burkhead and James White that have been there, but now you add Damian Harris with a significant or at least moderate uh, draft capital who's a relatively talented back. Uh, I don't think that the talent between him and Michelle is really that significant. So Michelle's a, a two-down player in general, um, and I, I haven't even gotten into how uh, he's got some knee issues. And if you are even remotely concerned about Gurley, Michelle is someone you should be really, really concerned about. Uh, so I think Michelle takes a pretty significant hit between this year and next. Wide receiver. Uh, I said Allen Robinson. He's just kind of one of those players that I, I tend to stay away from. Uh, he's had one good year in his entire career and going as wide receiver 24 right now. Um, if you look at some of the other players that are going uh, behind him or around him, you got Chris Godwin, uh, my boy Tyler Boyd, Mike Williams, Sterling Shepard, all are guys that I think finish uh, ahead of Allen Robinson. Uh, just not a guy I'm, I'm super high on in general. And I think that there are some interesting uh, wide receiver pieces in Chicago that uh, limit his upside as well. And now the, the part that's really going to get people riled up, especially uh, at least one person on this show, uh, since, since he stole Eric Ebron from me, I think that uh, George Kittle is my tight end that's uh, going to uh, be someone that's just overdrafted right now. And, look, I love George Kittle. I think that uh, he's one of the most – if you haven't listened to it, he's got a, a, a mic'd up – uh, segment on Twitter that you can actually go and listen to some of the stuff he was doing in, uh, in practices and during the games. And he's one of the most fun guys to watch. He's uh, active in fantasy even, and just genuinely good dude. Um, and he's a stud of a player. I, I had him and he won me a couple leagues last year. So I love George Kittle. It's not a major knock against him as much as it is. Uh, I do think that there's some concern on the offense in general. Uh, I've seen George Kittle go ahead of uh, Zach Ertz pretty, uh, consistently now in the offseason it's trended that way and I just think George Kittle has got some concerns around him obviously that offense is going to change uh, with Jimmy Garoppolo back they added some wide receiver threats um, and now they've got Pettis with the whole season under his belt uh, added Coleman obviously McKinnon's back so uh, some more pass catching in the running game Last year, the offense ran through Kittle. Uh, it was really the only chance that the 49ers had at winning was <laughs> dump-offs to Kittle and him taking him 80 yards to the house. And so I just think that uh, those kind of plays tend to regress um, unless you're tired Kittle. So I just think George Kittle's due for some regression. I think he's obviously still a top-end tight end. 
Um, but I would easily take Ertz over Kittle. And uh, I think that he maybe drops back towards that, closer to that O.J. Howard, Evan Ingram uh, type range instead of being in that clear top one or two tight end tier. No, that's fair. I think – so Patrick Mahomes type, dude, throwing for 50-plus touchdowns is not sustainable. It, it, it might be for him, but historically it's not sustainable, right? So I think I can agree with you that Andrew Luck might make a jump. Um, and we're talking – criteria, we're talking a full round. You know, he's being taken in the second, third round of, of drafts, which is, I think, bonkers. So I think seeing him slips easy. Sonny Michelle's knee issues concern me, and so – I mean, they drafted Damian Harris in the third round. That could easily, I could easily see him slipping quite a bit. I'm torn on Allen Robinson, man. I think this is a prove-it year for him. Either he does it or he doesn't. Either he blows up and he is that top 15, top 20 wide receiver, or the Bears are done and they, they can't do it anymore and he's washed out. But what's going for him is he is still 25 years old, so he's still relatively young despite having all this time in the NFL. George Kittle, I'm going to disappoint you with my tight end, uh, but – do you, what do you think about his positive regression in the touchdown category? I know he ended up setting the record for receiving yards by a tight end, but he had, I think, five touchdowns? I have to look. Five or four touchdowns last year. Do you think that comes up, and does that meet maybe some of that regression you're talking about with adding the other weapons? I think it's a very valid point. Um, and, and maybe that does balance out a little bit. I think some of the concern, obviously, like I mentioned, is just all the mouths that are there this year that were not last year. And uh, what does Jimmy Garoppolo's return do as well? So, yeah, I mean, I think it's a good point. I I think it's a very valid point. Uh, Maybe he gets an extra touchdown or two, but is he getting 10 touchdowns? Is he getting nine? I don't know. I think that'd be pushing it. So maybe he gets seven, but it's not enough to make up for – I don't know the number, but he had a couple of just major – 50, 60, 70 yard receptions. Um, those obviously are not sustainable, and I don't know that an extra couple touchdowns makes up for it entirely. That's fair. Okay. So, his <laughs> <sighs> uh, <laughs> notes already. He's been studying. He's ready to go. Well, you know, you guys have it. You, you, you guys didn't. You guys didn't let me talk for a little. You guys didn't let me talk for a minute. So, you know, I was able to prepare. No, I didn't prepare nothing. <laughs> I can talk. So I agree with Patrick Mahomes. He's going to go down. But, I mean, to say that it's buyer beware, what he's not going to go out of the top five, right? No, I don't think he's going to go out of the top five quarterbacks. But as far as where he's being drafted, I could easily see him being drafted two full or fantasy rounds at least from where he's being drafted today. Like straight up ADP. Straight up ADP, yes. And I think think he could fall to quarterback four. I don't think that would be insane if he fell to quarterback four or even five after this year. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I mean, I guess when you go to him being the top, the top undisputed number one, yeah, even going down to four is a drop off. Yep. And significant one in overall ADP, I think. Yeah. But George Kittle, I mean, he is the number one wide receiver on the 49ers. Like I said, I, I mean, I, I agree that there's going to be some regression because I can't be saying that the wide receiver core is going to be relevant. And then at the same time say that 
there's going to be no regression in Kittle. That'd just be ridiculous, right? Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I could I could buy that. Yeah, yeah. so I, I can't say he's going to have he's not going to have regression, but I mean he's still to me he's still a much safer buy than OJ Howard. Yeah, than, than yeah. Evan Ingram. So it's I, I really think there's a tier of. Travis Kelsey, I think, is alone. We'll talk about Zacherts here in a second. But then I think you have that mix of Zacherts, Evan Ingram, OJ Howard, and George Kittle, where I'd be happy with any of those guys. I'd be more happy with Kittle and Howard, and then probably Ertz for 19. But um, I think, yeah, I mean, George Kittle, where do you see him? Could he fall outside of the top five? No. I don't think so. I think he's a solid top five guy. I think he – I don't think he will. I think it's in the range of outcomes that he falls to tight end seven. Okay. Because of progression. Like Ingram and Howard type guys. Yeah, I think Ingram, Howard, I think Hunter Henry is a really interesting guy in there. Hawkinson. And then you throw in one other guy, like (laughs) let's just say Noah Fant, Hawkinson, Mark Andrews. Sure. Someone in that range makes a leap. I mean, it's in the range of outcomes. I'm not saying it's likely Kittle drops to seven or thereabouts, but yeah, it's right in the range of outcomes. No, even even for me, like in my projections, I have him for 82 receptions, 1,062 yards, and six touchdowns as the wide as the tight end three. Yeah. No, that's fair because. I think most tight ends, when I when I see a bonus, like a legit tight end one, you're talking seven plus touchdowns, and you're talking over a thousand yards and seventy five catches. So that's a pretty good number for Kittle. And so yep. man, tight ends are su- are just kind of weird. With like we saw with Ebron, finished his tight end four. He didn't have great volume or yardage, but he had thirteen touchdowns. So he was able to finish super high. And so like we talked, if, if Kittle's yardage comes down he's not going to break the single season receptor or receiving yards record for a tight end again that i mean that was historic absolutely historic but maybe his touchdowns come up and he comes down to that a thousand yards like we're talking about so yeah i mean he's he's yeah. george kittle's a solid tight end but being drafted in the third or fourth round like we're talking with zach Ertz as well i don't i don't necessarily see that keeping holding you know what i'm saying okay so that leaves me with my buyer beware the quarterback position. Give me Russell Wilson. He's currently being drafted as a quarterback five. I worry about his ability to create for himself, I guess. A lot of Russell Wilson's floor comes from his rushing ability. And this isn't to take anything away from his passing ability, but in his career, he's only been under, I mean, his first five, six seasons in the league, minus uh, one year, he was over. 500 yards rushing last year he only had 376 yards and no rushing touchdowns so having that rushing floor really helps Russell Wilson but I think what we saw last year is a sign of things to come the offense wants to run the ball more which limits his ability to scramble and gain those cheap yards and potentially run in a couple touchdowns for you at running back I'm sorry Luke but I think Philip Lindsay is currently being drafted at the running back 18 he's probably going to go down in ADP and that's nothing against Philip Lindsay. I just think it's an increase in Royce Freeman's ability. He was a baller at Oregon, and I think he has a good enough skill set to be a viable running back in the NFL. And I, 
again, I don't think it's anything against Philip Lindsay. I just think it's something where it ends up being a split backfield to the point where it hurts both of their fantasy values, but might be a positive for uh, the actual NFL team. Hold on. I'm going to have to go throw up for just a second after getting all that Royce Freeman love. <laughs> as far as a wide receiver, Adam Thielen is a guy I am fading very hard. Uh, with the change in the offensive coordinator, it, it appears that there's more of a shift to the running game. Adam Thielen's 28 years old. He's being currently drafted as a wide receiver 12. Second half of the season, I mean, the first half, he literally lit the world on fire. He tied Calvin Johnson of the Detroit Lions, his uh, consecutive record for 100-yard receiving games. But kind of fell off in the uh, last couple games of the year. And if you were in the playoffs, he only scored – 12.8 points in week 14, 3.9 in week 15, and 13.3 in week 16. So for being the wide receiver 12, I would want more out of that than what I got. And honestly, I just I just don't see him continuing on the upward trend. I think he's reached peak value, and I would be moving him. At tight end, I have Zach Ertz uh, because I just – I like him. Like we talked about on the NFC East show, I think he is a great piece for a contender – but I think last year was a little abnormal for his target numbers. He saw 40, 44 more targets, career high, like 44 more targets than he'd ever seen in his career prior to 2018. I don't know if that's sustainable. Um, but if, I mean, if he's right around 110 targets, which is what he had in 17, 106 in 2016, and 112 in 2015, you know, he's, he's still a top five guy, but I don't think he's necessarily tight end too. And when we're talking about – ADP per round. I think he could drop a full round plus without those 150 plus targets. Let's hear it. Oh man, you know if, if I if I become more consistent on this show, I'm going to have to bring in a segment I've thought about trying to do for a long time, and something along the lines of we we got to have some sort of like board bets between ourselves or something, because man, this is the second episode in a row that we've kind of gone back and forth on this whole Kittle versus. <laughs> I feel like we got to have some sort of bet on this before the season starts because I, I'm down. I can't take all the earth's hate. <laughs> <laughs> it's not, it's not, I still think he's a top five tight end at, at worst. And so I, I, don't, I don't, don't get confused with. No, I got you. The hate on it. I just, I think. 156 targets is a little high for him, and I think he's more around your 100, 110 target guy, which is still pretty respectable and pretty good, but I just don't see him as a third-round pick next year. I see him more in that fifth round. But yeah. I think that I think that's fair. It's kind of the same argument I had for Kittle, to be honest, so I think it's totally fair. Yeah, both, both horrible takes. <laughs> <laughs> um no i'm okay with with Ertz. um eh, yes and no i still think as long as once is a quarterback and as long as Ertz is there Ertz is going to be the guy um i understand what you were saying you make a good argument uh, when we were talking about in the last show about his contract and the money they have to pay so that that is a good argument but as long as he's there, he's going to be a top guy. Yeah, and, and to clarify on the contract issue, I think that's why the Eagles went out and drafted Miles Sanders early, got him on a rookie deal. I think that's why they drafted J.J. Arcega-Whiteside on a rookie deal to replace the money that Elshon Jeffrey is getting. Because I think they're, they, they want to try to get Zach Ertz on that team because he is a good football player. 
But they also drafted Dallas Goddard to give them an insurance policy in case they right. decide, you know what, we have to pay this linebacker or we have to pay this safety or this corner or this defensive lineman. So they have the luxury of saying that money we were going to put towards Zach Ertz or the money that we are paying Zach Ertz, let's trade him. And I have to look at the cap numbers, what the implications are for a trade versus a, a cut. But can we allocate that money to a different spot knowing Dallas Goddard is a step down, but not a significant step down? Yeah. No, I, yeah. I hear you on that. How far do you have Russell Wilson falling next year? I have him outside the top 12 for this season. I, I am not a fan of Russell Wilson. I do not think that offense is conducive to him running, which is what kept his floor so high. And I don't think they have the receiving weapons to keep him up as high. There's no Doug Baldwin. There's no Jimmy Graham. Um, it, they want to run the ball, which is great for uh, Chris Carson and Rashad Penny, but those designed runs for Russell Wilson, I don't think are going to meet the scrambles that he was having with Doug Baldwin and Jimmy Graham and those guys uh, a couple of years ago. So I just, I see his floor falling and it's nothing against him. It's just when you lose that rushing floor, it's something that I, I think other guys can jump up. I mean, with rushing last year, he had 376 was, was a low and no touchdowns at all, which I don't, yeah. I want to say that's never happened. That is the first time in his career that he's never scored a rushing touchdown. <laughs> so to say that he's not going to score a rushing touchdown again, I mean, I, I think he'll be around the same. I mean, to say a QB five for next year. Okay. I will say maybe not that high because there are a lot of good quarterbacks up and coming, but I don't, think he'll be outside the top 12. Well, his, so his rushing attempts from his rookie year in 2012, he went 94, uh, 96 in 2013, 118 and 14, 103 and 15, 72 and 16, 95 and 17, and then a career low 67 in 2018 uh, with no yeah. touchdowns. Yeah. So it's, for me, it's more, it's, it's a volume issue, honestly, is, if he was running around more, I mean, dude, we all remember the Russell Wilson scrambling around, running for his life, gaining yards, yeah. flipping the Doug Baldwin down the field. I think those days are over where it's more grounded pound, make a smart throw, and, and move on. So I just – I think his value is a little high right now as opposed to 2020. Yeah, but even at that, I mean, in, when you said 72, that was in, what, 2016? With 259 yards, and then in 2018, 67 yards with 376. So it's not the lowest yards. Yep, no, it's not the lowest yards, but the lowest attempts and the lowest touchdown numbers. No, I mean, honestly, if realistically, the Seahawks are doing better because they need to protect him to preserve his career Yeah, because he has a great arm, and that's what I think is, is he's going to showcase his arm more. Yep. And – they have okay pieces around him. I mean, they did okay for for losing Baldwin. You oh, move Lockett. Yeah. They did you know, awesome. You, yeah, the, you move Lockett and make him more versatile, and then you have the out, outside presence of DK Metcalf. Yeah, I mean – That's the, the, other, the other thing is his pass attempts. I mean, went from quite literally a career low. Well, his second career low outside of – okay, I guess his rookie year and his second year. He was over 500. He was 546 in 2016, 553 in 2017, and then all the way down to 427 pass attempts 
Yeah, but his completion rate also was also the second highest. True. Yep, very high. Yeah, hyper efficient. So it's like, does that match? And so that's why I have a lot of questions with him. And again, it's not necessarily that he's a bad option. I just think the quarterback play in fantasy football, the level has increased significantly in, in the past couple of years. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah, that's fine. It's just, like I said, I don't think, I don't, I think he will dig digress but i don't think it's going to be outside of the top 12 just me personally and philip Lindsay is just a gamble i'm sitting here looking at uh the adp for quarterbacks right now and who's in that russell wilson range and i think wilson's currently going at probably the top of his range of outcomes it's unlikely that he moves up beyond five with Watson, Luck, Rogers, Mahomes there ahead of him right now, it's unlikely he probably passes them, even if he has a good year this year. Um, and then if you look at the guys behind Wilson, you got Mayfield, Goff, Wentz. Um, that's another guys that I'm not too interested in, but you could easily see Wilson dropping behind all of those. Um, so I, I think uh, the more I look at that list, at least, tend to agree with you, Nate. I, I didn't like it at first, but I look at that and you could easily see Wilson falling after this year to the 10 to 15 range for quarterbacks. Yeah. And again, it's not, it's really not anything against him, but we talk about not drafting guys at their ceilings. That is, I think his absolute ceiling is quarterback fives. So I don't want any part of that, but I think you could have Carson Wentz, Jared Goff, Matt Ryan, uh, Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, Jameis Winston with a big year. Like these guys could move up and push him down. Baker Mayfield, sorry I missed him, but those dudes could push Russell Wilson out. And again, it's not a certainty, but there is a like you're saying an outcome where that is possible. So, all right, bold takes. All right, who wants to start us off? Nate, you start us off here. Okay. I got one bold take for you guys because it's uh, it's getting late here in uh, in Hawaii and I got to get to bed here soon. At 8 I o'clock? Was... 9 o'clock. Hey, look, man. I'm an old man. I'm an old man. Um, so, and I hope I'm not stepping on your toes, Luke, but I think Tyler Boyd is the wide receiver one in Cincinnati, and I think he proves that from a fantasy perspective this year and every year here on out. He's going to outscore A.J. Green, and I think um, if I'm buying a Cincinnati wide receiver, it's going to be Tyler Boyd. They just signed him to a four-year, $43 million extension that keeps him with the team through 2023. Uh, Last season, he saw 76 catches for 1,028 yards and seven touchdowns. Yes, A.J. Green's there, but he's in the last year of his deal. It's a new offense. It's a new head coach. It's a new regime. I really think that they are going to go towards Tyler Boyd being the man in Cincinnati in 2019 and on. Oh, my goodness, man. I, you know, I was trying to avoid Boyd a little bit in this say, or this whole episode <laughs> because I'm like, I've been sitting on an article that's been about 95% done for a couple of weeks now on Tyler Boyd. Yeah. And so I've got an article that'll drop here shortly with a case for Tyler Boyd. I think he's, uh, oh man, I I think he, every year, and I I talk about this in an article, every year there's a couple players that I just don't understand the ADPs. Like it just, it doesn't make sense to me where it just seems like it's wrong. Like it seems like, am I like out of line thinking this is insane? And yeah, Tyler Boyd, I mean, he's currently wide receiver 30 
And last year he finished as wide receiver, I think it was 16. Uh, with, 17 in PPR. 17. Yep. Yeah, with Jeff Driscoll as his quarterback for part of that time. Yep. I mean, A.J. Green, he was actually more efficient with A.J. Green in this, it, or when A.J. Green was there, but he was fully capable when he was out, which is exactly what you like to see, very similar to like Juju Smith. Um, and, yeah, boy, it, had a, it took him a couple of years to break out in the NFL, but coming into the NFL, his metrics uh, as far as breakout age and uh, college dominator were exactly what you want to see. So, yeah, I'm I'm all in on Tyler Boyd. I'm already giving away way too much, so I'm kind of <laughs> upset that you took that from me. <laughs> That's fair, man. Yeah, uh, and I'm not gonna fight you on Tyler Boyd. He's he's very good. Yeah. What do you got? Uh, I guess who's next? I, you know, it's, I I had Tyler Boyd tentatively written down, and then my other easy one is uh, is Rashad Penny, and I've already alluded to that. Like those those really are my two uh, two plant or uh, flags that I've planted this year guys um so instead of doing that I'm just gonna rant for 30 seconds that um I'm very much uh I hate the whole hot takes thing I think it's stupid I think it's more important to talk in terms of uh range of outcomes and are we buying people at their ceiling or are we buying them at their floor uh we talked a bit about Chris Godwin uh like you're buying someone like that at their floor at wide receiver 23 versus um, we talked about this last episode, the example of Adam Thielen, you're probably buying him more at the top of his ceiling or top of range of outcome. Um, so something I'm always looking at is trying to buy someone at their floors. Um, Tyler Boyd is very safe where he's at. Uh, it's, I, there's outside of injury, which you can't predict. I see no circumstance where Tyler Boyd doesn't finish inside the top 30 wide receivers this year. Um, that's why I like Rashad Penny, uh, his range of outcomes. He's even, even if he's in a split backfield, he's in the top 30 running backs where he's being drafted. Um, so range of outcomes, uh, bold takes and hot takes are stupid. Talk about range of outcomes. Yeah, I agree with you. Because if you can't back it up, because like I'm saying, man, if, you can't, if you're just throwing something into the Twitter sphere just to do it for clicks and stuff, I'm not a big fan of that, but – if you're gonna make an argument, it better have some backing to it. And I think that's so. Maybe the maybe the phrase "hot takes" or uh, or "bold takes" is a, is a little off for what we're trying to do here with the Creative Dynasty podcast. But yeah, man, sure. If you can back it up, that's kind of what I want to see. Is I mean, the example I used was Kenyon Drake's running back one for 2019. Yeah, he was running back 14 last year. It is definitely a possibility that he's the he's a top eight running back. That's a possibility with his receiving floor. Do I think it's gonna happen? Probably not, but it could, and that, and it's very realistic versus saying, you know what, um, Jalen Samuels is a top twelve running back. That that's probably not going to happen. So I appreciate you uh, you being realistic about it. Why do you hate Jalen Samuels so much? Well, I don't think he'll be a top twelve running back. I think he's good. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, I agree with you, Luke. I do not like hot takes. I mean, so you go on Twitter and you see him, and Nate. There's a certain gentleman that I that I think you even something in regards to like a wide receiver two or something like that. I don't know if you remember recently seeing, uh, kind of uh, arguing on Twitter. Um, I do that a lot, so I don't I don't remember which one. <laughs> which, which wide receiver? Because I yeah I like to hey, keep track. Yeah, I want to. I I forget exactly, but it's it's a gentleman. He said so. It, I forget exactly what it, what it was, but he said oh, Perryman, I believe. 
was going to be the oh yeah dude yes so that individual and i'm not going to call it out because you know sure. let people yep. take that on their own but i've seen a couple things from that where it's in it's hot takes in the name yep. and a lot of those hot takes are just ridiculous right yeah yeah because it's it's guessing it's guessing yep. and then if you get right you get yep. right but i mean what substance is there behind it right yeah. so to say hot takes yes we're we're not really say hot takes these are just things that we see that we've researched that we believe can happen. Yeah. And, and I'm not knocking the segment name or anything like that. I'm just, yeah. I, want our, I want our listeners to know like where we're coming from on that. Cause I think yeah. it's important. Yeah. There's our hot takes. Backing. Yeah. I guess what we want, what we want to say is that there's some substance behind it. Right. For sure. Yep. So for me, and, and I don't feel like this is a hot take or a bold take. But I guess it is because of the way he's being drafted. The way he's being drafted, and I get it, because there's three wide receivers that could be good. There's a new quarterback, but an efficient quarterback. Just for example, there's two different wide receivers. He was on a different team last year, and you guys should know where I'm going with this. At least, Nate, you do. Yeah. So just for example, one wide receiver last year, older wide receiver, his QB, the QB rating that he had was 116. The QB rating that this wide receiver had was just basically, you know, which is basically, and I got this off player profile, which is basically his QB, what his QB rating was, was at 90.2. Big difference, right? Yes. So Nate... Let Luke know who I'm talking about. Let's see. Let's see if you got it. Um, Lou, honestly, you stumped me, man. I think I was Did tracking I? There for a little bit. I was tracking for a little bit, and I don't think I'm right. So I don't want to. Just, just say a name. Just say a name. I don't even want to. I, I can't because I, I just I don't want to put my reputation on the line, man. Um, okay. Let me know if you if you were thinking this, but Didi okay. Westbrook. Yeah, damn it, dude. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Didi Westbrook. I mean, he. Got, I think I believe he's getting a significant upgrade in a quarterback, even though it's just Nick Foles. Yeah, well, yeah. like the snake, and not a. Yeah, I mean, it's just he's a good wide receiver. I mean, he's he's metrics have just shown it. He just has not had a good quarterback to go at him because it's Blake Bortles, now a backup. Yep. And for me, I actually have. D.D. Westbrook projected as a wide receiver 17 for next year. That's big. And that is, like we talked about, like like Luke's saying, man, it it is a range of outcomes because if he is the wide receiver one for Jacksonville, we're talking the the Jaguars are a year removed from playing in the AFC championship game. Yes, exactly. A lot of that was predicated on a good defense. It was predicated on a good run game, but – D. Westbrook's a Bolitnikoff Award winner, so the the best wide receiver in college football um, in that year. He has the talent. Nick Foles, uh, quite honestly, is a better passer than Blake Portals ever was. Yes, efficient. Yeah, and it's something that D.D. Westbrook could see some more volume. He is explosive. He is creative with the ball in his hands. It's something that I mean, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a realistic outcome. Um, I don't think he creeps into the top 12, but man, he could, he could definitely be a solid wide receiver too. Yeah. And, and I think if I were to sit here and tell you, he's going to be a, a wide receiver one, that's a bold take. 
Oh, for sure. But I mean, I, I, I have him projected as a wide receiver 17. I can see him creeping into the wide receiver 15 range. But like I said, that's, this is why it's a bull take just because he's being, I mean, I'm pretty much getting this guy everywhere right now. And I, and in redrafts, I'm going to be getting him everywhere. As you should. I agree with you. Yeah, me too. Now I could be wrong in the wide receiver for Jacksonville, but there's going to be a wide receiver out of Jacksonville who is fantasy relevant, at least a lot more fantasy relevant than last year. And why not? Yeah. Why not? The most, I think the most talented guy there in D.D. Westbrook. So. Yeah, exactly. The, only, the the ones he's competing with, with is with Lee and with Cole. Cole, I think, is the only one who can compete with him. Yeah, keep an eye out for DJ Shark, but he's more of a niche player. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, yeah. I've got no problem with it. Yep. Hear ye, hear ye. Are we done with the show? <laughs> we are. I think, uh, I think we've hit our stuff. I hope this helped out. Uh, Again, glad to have you all on, and thanks for listening. Super stoked to help you guys out this year. All right, guys. Have a good one.